Dear God, we thank You for this uh, opportunity to come together once again and learn about Your creation, about weather, and how to stay safe. And we ask that You would uh, bless each one here. In Your name we pray. Amen. So anyway, I, I was thinking as I, I, I was um, pondering what I talked about on Tuesday, I think that we, we covered a lot of different things. One of the things I, I hope I made pretty abundantly clear is the fact that Michigan weather is very unpredictable. Predictably unpredictable. I use that a lot. You'll hear me say that probably ten times. And some of the information I'm going to discuss today we discussed on Tuesday, but I felt it was important to review it uh, because it is important. We talk about winter weather terms. We're talking about winter weather today. We split this into two parts basically because there's too much to do in one uh, hour and a quarter session. It's like trying to keep, teach college-level science or college-level calculus in an hour. Somebody has never seen it. This is not a small subject. This is only the tip of the iceberg as far as weather goes. Um, there, there are classes you can take uh, through the Weather Service in the spring if you go on the Weather Service's website. They have a whole list of locations across the state where you can take Skywarn training. I encourage you, if you're interested, to take it. You probably only need to take it more than once because there's a lot of information. It's about two and a half hours and there's a lot of information to absorb. They try and make it real information friendly, but it's still a lot of information. So as we continue on here, we've got our advisory. Now an advisory is always issued with general information relating to an upcoming weather event. In the wintertime you get winter storm advisories, wind advisories, uh, stuff like that, freezing rain advisories. Of course, you have a watch, and we have all the watches and such that go with that. It means conditions are favorable for an event to happen. Remember, watch. You're looking for looking toward. Then we have a warning, which means a weather event is happening currently or will be in the warned area soon. And usually they issue warnings for only a short amount of time, less than six hours. A watch can be for days, even weeks sometimes. In this area, they issue flood watches every year. They can be for up to a week. Um, a warning is usually a short-term, short-duration event. Now, they may issue a warning back-to-back -back on something if there's still that condition is existing. But they have a time frame on a warning of, you know, you see a winter storm warning from 8 o'clock in the morning till 6 at night. Just th think about that. Now, we have elements, as we do with summer storms, we have elements of winter storms. Heavy snow sometimes comes with winter storms. Ice. And ice is really the greatest danger of all in a lot of uh, ways because, think ice. Ice equals weight on trees, power lines, buildings, such like that. Travel is impacted when you get a little bit of ice, roads get slippery. It can be very dangerous very quickly. You're, even walking can be impacted really, really quick with ice. And, and it, you have such a small temp temperature range in which it happens that it can be, you know, you can be driving along in one place, the road's wet, and, and a mile down the road it's solid ice, and you run into big problems. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. You have cold. Usually with winter storms and during the winter you have cold. Cold can be very dangerous also. Um, but cold is usually more of a long-term thing. We, we deal with it in, in that manner. And there's, there's a radar shot. This is from uh, March 22nd, uh, 2011. Notice on here, you see the, the various colors here. This here is rain. That's a mix. The blue is, I believe, freezing rain. It, it was quite an interesting radar shot. I actually took the screenshot off one of the radars I was looking at that day. Um, and you can see there's just such a variation there. And then you had snow no further north. You know, it's just really uh, quite an interesting little thing. Now, winter storms can bring a lot of different things with them. They can, their severity can be anything from moderate to heavy snow over a few hours. Depending on where you live, if you guys live on the west side of the state, you said you live in Niles, isn't it? Yeah, you guys see heavy snow. A few miles down the road, it's, not, it's just light snow showers or nothing. Uh, lake effect snow, think that. Uh, the further inland you get, the less chance you have of, of heavy snow, but we do see significant snowfall sometimes, and people on the lakeshore don't see any. That's it, the way Michigan works. Um, 
Blizzard conditions with blinding wind, driven snow that lasts for hours or sometimes several days. In order for it to be considered a blizzard, a true blizzard, it has to be 35 miles an hour greater wind, wind over a sustained amount of time, over a, it's a number of hours. How many have ever been in an actual true Michigan blizzard? Not fun. <laughs> Not fun at all. Uh, they can be very, very bad very quickly. Uh, many winter storms bring low temperatures. And the lower your temperature is, the worse it becomes because you have wind chill and so on. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here. Um, heavier blowing snow, severe, severely reducing visibility. Um, under a quarter of a mile to complete whiteout. Has anybody driven in whiteout before? I have more than once. And it, it can be very dangerous. You don't know where you're going if you can't see the lines on the road, especially if it's snowed a lot. Um, I'll tell a story. I was uh, at my buddy's house in Brighton, Michigan, and I was coming back to Lansing area where I live. New Year's Day. It was about midnight. I left his house. It was just kind of snowing a little bit. Further north I went and, and west, the worse it got. I was... I figure I was driving on 96. I figure I was driving between the two lanes. I really couldn't tell where I was at. All I could see was the little markers they have on the far side of the road, you know. And that was how I was judging where I was at. There was a lot of cars in the ditch. It took an hour, a trip that should have taken me about an hour, took me better part of three and a half. I didn't get home until way early in the morning. Not by choice, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I made it home safely, thankfully. Now, we go on to types of winter storms. There's lots of different types of storms. And these are just kind of general categorizations that we, we kind of use. You have blizzards, of course, that we talked about just a minute ago. You have blowing snow. Now, what's the difference between a blizzard and blowing snow, you may wonder. A blizzard is, as I said, you have winds of 35 miles an hour or greater over a sustained amount of time. Blowing snow would be, okay, it's already snowed, and the snow's blowing back and forth across the roads and, and fields and stuff. Especially up here, if you guys are familiar with this area, it's really flat in a lot of places. You can get complete whiteout just by blowing snow. I've seen it more than once, especially at night. It's really bad or early morning. Uh, you have snow squalls, which are basically a short-lived snow event. And they can dump several inches in a matter of an hour or two. Not normal, but it does happen. Usually they bring whiteout and such. It's a small blizzard, basically. And then you have just your normal snow showers, which would be moderate to heavy snow. And you can get... Over an amount of time, you could get anywhere from an inch to a foot. And in Michigan, it can vary a lot by where you're at. You may go a few miles, and it's different. i give an example. I, I live in Alma, is where I live now. I drive to Remus, Michigan, which is north and west of here, another about 20 minutes. I can leave my house and not be snowing. Be, the roads will be perfectly dry. Nice. Get halfway there, about just north of uh, 46 aways. Total snow, several inches of snow, sometimes roads are terrible. You never can predict. Or it's the, the reverse. Sometimes it's snowing where I live and it's nice once I get north. Go figure. <laughs> Gets Michigan. Um, and there's, there's, how would you like to try and drive on that? I don't know if you can see it very well, but somebody, a road that they've tried to plow out, and it looks like it's been blizzarded pretty good. I actually grew up in the country and I've seen roads this bad and driven on roads worse than this sometimes. Um, think four wheel drive. Um, we're going to talk about some risk here. With cold and winter, you have risk. Just like you have with summer weather, you have risk with cold weather. Automobile or other transportation accidents. How many you see on the news every year they have a pileup somewhere because of the snow in Michigan? In fact, I'm going to show you some pictures. These are from a couple of years ago. This was up by Claire. And no one died in this incident. There's a whole bunch of cars. I think there was about 30 cars involved. There's some semis involved. Basically, people driving along too fast, probably. They ran in, they probably went from good to bad, I would guess. And they all just, one person slowed down and just started a chain reaction. I've seen this more than once as a news photographer over the years. I've seen multiple accidents in a small area because one person decided to be prudent and slow down, and the rest of them didn't, weren't paying attention. And, you know, here's what happened. They may have had some whiteout, too. I don't know. I don't remember all the. Uh, Particulars on this incident, but it, it was it was a local Michigan incident. Uh, sometimes you have planes uh, get ice on them; they can't land properly. They get blown off the runway, things like that. There's there's a lot of different kinds of transportation problems you can run into. Um, and we continue with our risk here: exhaustion and heart attacks. Now, why would I say that? 
Even healthy people, when they have to shovel a lot of snow, get worn out pretty quickly. I shovel snow a lot where I work because I'm maintenance. It can wear you out very quickly, especially if it's wet, heavy snow, which we get a lot of here in Michigan, it seems. If you have to shovel, take breaks. Um, I've been on calls where somebody had a heart attack because they overexerted themselves trying to shovel. It, it is not common, but it does happen. If you're in good health and you have neighbors that aren't and you feel like doing something nice for them, go shovel their driveway. Help them out. It, it's very, very important. And, of course, the cold tends to wear you down faster than um, when it's, well, there's kind of that moderate temperature where everybody does real well and then extremes one way or the other aren't good. You've got a lot of wind chill, and if it's snowing even, it can wear you down very quickly. And, and even healthy people have problems sometimes. Um, house fires. Now, why would I say house fires? Think about this. you got winter. There's two things that play in here, and this is, this is from personal experience more than anything else. I noticed a number of years ago when I still worked in TV that when the economy went down, we had a lot of house fires in the winter. People try to heat with alternate forms of heat. They try and use space heaters that aren't made to use inside. They try and light fires in their fireplace, and they don't know what they're doing. They try and circumvent things, they, you know, normal precautions. Or if we lose power, people try and do things they really shouldn't. It can be very deadly sometimes. This is a house fire in Michigan that was started by uh, improper heating. And this one was an electrical overload. I actually went to this fire for Red Cross. And um, the person had an electrical overload because they were trying to run too many heaters on, on one circuit. Burned their house, totally trashed the house. These things happen quite often. Um, asphyxiation is a sickness or death caused by lack of oxygen. We talked about this a little bit on Tuesday, but it's a lot bigger problem in the wintertime. Think about this. In the wintertime, you have your windows closed. If you're running a generator, you have an entrance point for exhaust fumes, or you're trying to run a heater that's not meant to run inside, this can be a problem very quickly. They've had a couple different cases this last year in Michigan where this happened. And unfortunately, some people didn't make it, and some were children. If you have to run a generator, you have to run a heater, make sure you have proper ventilation, or you have your generator somewhere um, where it's not going to, the exhaust is not going to enter your residence. Don't put it in your garage, don't put it in your windows, you know, things like that. I'm not saying everybody makes these mistakes, but it happens. That's why I lecture on this. I've, I've had the, the unfortunate. Uh, privilege of being involved in covering some of this, and it's not fun. It's sad. Yeah, yeah. You know, and people will put their generator in the garage because, oh, that'll protect it. Put it outside. Put it away from your house a few feet so there's, there's fresh air around it. Sometimes the generators overheat. They start fires. You're trying to use uh, your uh, kerosene space heater inside that maybe is actually made to use in your garage where you have more airflow you can have a lot of problems. If you don't know, you're sometimes best just leaving your house and going somewhere where there is heat. They have shelter. If there's a major event, they have shelters open. It's, it's usually better to do that than, than risk it. As we go on, we're going to talk a little bit about ice events. Now, I, I call them ice events, but we're talking about your Michigan ice storms. How many have seen a Michigan ice storm? I think probably everybody in this room. And some of them worse than others. Um, I was talking with my sister, who's here today, just a few minutes ago. Uh, in 1984, 1985, we call it the two-year ice storm, jokingly, because it happened on uh, New Year's Eve, 1984, to New Year's soon after New Year's Day on, in 1985. We had about a half inch of ice where I lived in Shalott. Now, I was young then, but I remember this because you don't forget trees crashing down, power lines, power outages. We actually went skating on our dirt road. There was so much ice. And you don't usually have that. But ice storms are very, very, can be very disastrous. They had one in Canada a number of years ago that they had four inches of ice come down in a matter of a couple of days. Think four inches. About that much ice altogether. It took down, you know, the, the power towers that they have for the high tension lines that are metal. It destroyed them. It took out most of the infrastructure in the area in which it happened. They had a lot of people that were trapped in their homes and died as a result of it because they couldn't rescue them even. 
I'm not saying it's going to happen here, but it, there is the possibility of people being stranded in their homes because if you've got trees across your driveway, you may not be able to get out right away. And as the power's off longer and longer, even your cell phone is not going to work because the cell phone towers only have so much backup power. But you do have the opportunity, at least for a short amount of time, to make contact and try and let people know you're okay. One of the things I work with in emergency management is if we have a major incident like that, they will send those of us that have four-wheel drive vehicles out and our amateur radio operators and whatnot, they're trained, we will go door to door and check every residence in an area. It takes time, but we, 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 we are, are actually, we'll, we go and do that. Um, because we want to make sure that people are okay. If they need to be evacuated, we will evacuate them to a safe shelter, whatever we need to do to, you know, to get them. If they need medical help, we get that to them, stuff like that. And it, it can take, you know, if you've got a large area, it can take a lot of volunteers and a lot of hours. Thank the local fire department, the police department, any of the reserve officers for sheriff's department, and any other staff they can get their hands on. We go out, we would go out and do this. Don't have to do it very often, but it is something that would happen if we had a major event. Um, now, when we're talking about ice events, we've got things like sleet. Sleet's kind of, you know, it can be dangerous, maybe not, depending on how much you get. If you get a lot of sleet on a road or something, it's like driving on a ball bearing. You don't stop. I actually had a situation where I tried to stop. The road was fine. I got up to the corner and it was all sleet. I didn't stop very well. <laughs> I actually ended up running a stop sign. Luckily, it was out in the middle of nowhere, so it wasn't too bad of a thing. Uh, you have freezing rain. Now, freezing rain is kind of an odd duck because if your temperature is just right, you would get slushy snow. You, you have just a few degrees difference. You can have freezing rain or not. Uh, you have your ice storms, which are, I consider an ice storm a, major, a fairly major event, a quarter inch of ice or better. Um... The most I've ever seen in Michigan, like I said, about a half an inch. And that was disastrous. In the area that I lived in, they closed everything down for days because there was no power. Um, there were a few places that had generators at that time, but it was not very good. And a lot, of, a lot of businesses now have a generator to run on at least limited power intentionally because of things like this. Um, and then you have a rain-snow mix. Think falling slush. Not good. I've actually driven through some of these instances where it's falling slush. It clogs up your wipers, your headlights, and everything so bad you really can't. It's not even safe to really drive um, at any speed. You can get through it, but it's not always very good. Now, this picture was taken in Chalant, Michigan. This is my parents' property and the road they live on. This was a nice storm in uh, 2013 in Lansing area. Notice the road is pretty well blocked off. You can't see a whole lot. And you can't, you could get through, but it was, there was trees everywhere. They said it took about three days to clean up all the mess. In Lansing, I was down running a shelter for uh, Red Cross that, for people that were displaced because there were so many of them. We had uh, four shelters open at that time. It was over Christmas, of all things. And it went from being a freezing rain event to two days later, it was about 10 above. So everything froze. So all the ice stayed, and it was just a mess. And the one in uh, 84, 85, it did the same thing. It, there was ice till spring on the trees and everything. So every time the wind blew, there's more stuff that came down. You hope for an ice storm that once the ice storm happens, it warms up and it all falls off in a few hours. It doesn't always happen in Michigan, especially if it's an early winter, you know, before January. A lot of times it'll freeze and be a mess for months. Um, my dad actually took that picture and shared it with me to, to use here. Now... Why would we think about flooding in the winter? Does anybody know? Why would you think about flooding in the winter? Yes, that's a good point. Drains freeze. Think frozen ground. Frozen ground does not... Does not yeah, well, if you get a bunch of rain in the middle of winter and the ground's frozen, the ground can't absorb it. So it runs off. If your drains are all frozen up, like our friend here said, then you have water... It, it can get ugly. I've seen it happen. It's not nice. And then it refreezes, and then you have ice everywhere again. You have ice ponds where you didn't usually have them. Not a good thing. <laughs> um, you, you have things like ice jams on rivers. We've had this problem up here and down where I used to live. There's rivers that have good bends in them. 
It'll thaw for a few days, as it likes to do in Michigan. Thaw out, the ice breaks up, and then it goes around the bend or a bottleneck in the river, catches, you have an ice jam, starts to flood. Um, it happens almost every year in this area. We had over in Big Rapids, and I'll show some pictures in a minute. We had a bunch of people who were displaced one year because of it. Uh, you have snow melt. Okay, let's say we have a whole bunch of snow, and it melts quickly, but it doesn't unthaw the ground. It starts to flood. You have water where you shouldn't, including in your basement sometimes, in places you don't want it. Um, and then the other thing you can run into is, okay, you have it real warm during the day, it gets cold at night, there's flooded water on the road, it freezes, then you have black ice and other things like that. It, it, yes, a lot of accidents. I mean, I've almost been victim to that a couple times myself, driving back roads a lot. Um, you have and just winter flooding from different, you know, rain or other uh, incidences where you have a lot of water all of a sudden. And this is an ice jam that I saw in Big Rapids. It, it flooded in a uh, summer residential area. We didn't have as many people evacuated as we thought, but there were some people who lived there, and some of them had as much as four feet of water in their basement that lived near the river. They were evacuated. Some of them, they had, in the one house, they, I heard they had to tear down. It was so bad. It damaged it so bad. Um, and then this all froze up again. As you can see here, um, that's all frozen ice chunks. It didn't go anywhere for a while. And some of the people had to evacuate until spring when the water receded back into the river. It was a mess. Um, you, you can have a lot of things like that happen. And I took the picture. Um, and then, of course, we were talking about cold. Why is cold dangerous? Well, cold is dangerous for a lot of reasons. One, cold, as I mentioned when we were talking about shoveling snow and trying to get rid of the snow, cold wears on your body over an amount of time. And it's different for everybody. I'm impervious to the cold. I can go out for hours on end in terrible weather and it doesn't bother me much. Now, Logan over here, might, he might go out for an hour and he's ready to freeze. And some people even less. The younger you are, the younger, young little kids like uh, Mr. Austin over there, who's my nephew, it would affect him differently than it would an adult. Um, and I work a lot with search and rescue for, through the county. One of the things we always think about is cold. Because people can die from exposure in a matter of hours, depending on the situation. We had a case a few years ago where somebody went missing. They were an adult, but we were very concerned because it was cold. And we, they, we mounted a, a citywide search trying to find them. Found out they were actually wanted to be missing. They weren't missing by choice. They, or by, by other means, they wanted to be missing. They were trying to avoid us. They actually got convicted of a crime. It is a crime to avoid being searched for. Didn't know that until then, but yes, <laughs> he, he got in a lot of trouble because we spent a lot of time and money mounting the search. Yes, and, and we were looking, you know, driving all over back roads and stuff trying to see if he was missing somewhere because it was cold and we didn't want him to die of exposure. If it's very cold, you can die of exposure if you don't have the right clothes in a matter of maybe two to three hours or less, um, especially if you're out in the open. If you don't have any cover of any sort, it can be really bad. Michigan isn't quite as bad, but if you're out west or something where there's not any civilization very much, it can be very bad. And people do sometimes die in Michigan of exposure. It's not as common, but it does happen. I've, I've had the unfortunate experience of covering that, and it's, it's sad. We, uh, uh, here's a story that I'll tell because it, it, it's applicable. This happened in Alma, Michigan. There's a college there in Alma. Kid had been at a party, and we don't know if he had been drinking or not. That's, they never did figure out. He went missing. He called his parents from his cell phone. He says, I'm lost. I don't know where I'm at. He ended up about well, three-quarters of a mile from my in-law's house at a, at a place they fuel trucks and stuff. He hunkered down. They couldn't find him. It wasn't real cold, but it was in the 30s, and it had been raining. He got wet. He, he was found dead a day and a half later. He should have survived, but they didn't know where he was right away. His phone died, and they couldn't find him. And so it does happen. And it was, he was only 20, I think it was 20. It, was, it shocked our town terribly because it, it's not usual to have that happen. Um, and it being so close to where I have lived, it's like, oh, boy. But people do die of exposure fairly easily, even healthy people. We have wind chill, frostbite. Hypothermia, which can lead to death if it goes too long. And hypothermia is an interesting little 
phenomenon. Has anybody known somebody that has had hypothermia? Yeah, we had a, in our we had a guy that uh, he had a severe ice snowstorm. Mm -hmm. Oh. Anyway, we hunted for him for days. Couldn't find, find him anywhere. And uh, so uh, one of the pumpers went to pump his oil well and found him. And, you know, some oil wells, they have a, a shed. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had went in the shed and died. The worst thing about hypothermia is, even in the early stages of it, you would get very confused. And, and people do things they would never do. They will walk the wrong way, do all sorts of strange things. That's why we, when we find out somebody's missing, as I was talking about earlier, we mount an immediate search for them if we think they're out in open country. Because if we can catch them fast enough, they usually can be saved. They sometimes do air searches even, even in this area, they've done it before, looking for somebody, because they can spot them better from the air than we can from the ground a lot of times, especially... Well, what it happened is the wind kept blowing the snow, so it was trash. And I'll talk about that in just a minute here, about yeah. some things to do if you do get stranded. Now, this is a wind chill chart, and you can't see the whole thing, but you've got your wind uh, in miles per hour on, on the, uh, here on the uh, left-hand side, and then you've got your temperature, air temperature. Now let's go down to 60 miles an hour and 25 below zero. You have a 62 below zero wind chill. And that's, uh, that's a, in five minutes you can, you can start having issues. I've been in 40 below wind chill working before for hours on end. Didn't bother me a lot, but you get worn out just by sheer nature of being in stuff like that. Um, and yes, I could go inside and warm up some, but I, I joked with my wife. I said, I don't know if I'll ever be warm again. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you're, you feel cold, even if you're not... Inside. Yeah, even if you're inside, you still feel cold. I'd get under a whole bunch of blankets, and I'm like, oh, I'm freezing. Oh. And this went on for days. I was helping build a building at work in the middle of winter. They should have really suspended construction, but the boss wanted it done. It had to be done, whatever. Um, if you guys want to copy this, you can look this up online. Uh, it's available. Just type in wind NWS windchill chart. It's something that wouldn't be bad to have, you know, at least a general knowledge of. And the higher your windchill number, as you can see here, the worse worse it gets. Um, you know, if you got five mile an hour winds and forty degrees, it's you know, thirty six. But think this. Let's say you get wet for some reason. It's raining. Being drenched and wet. Or even if you're sweating a lot, water is like an insulator. It makes you get colder faster. It cools you down. And, you, and what happens is, is as your body cools down, the more it cools down, the more it shuts down. Yeah, and, and, and it sends blood to your brain and, and vital organs, and it just keeps shutting down until you finally are unable to function anymore. And, and you hear stories occasionally of people who have survived for weeks in extreme cold, because they took some, most of them were survivalists or people that had a lot of training. Not always, but a lot of times there are people that, you know, there was a plane crash in the mountains and it's cold in winter and whatnot. But it's not real common, unfortunately. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about preparedness. Why should we pre be prepared? Well, we talked about this the other day a little bit. Prevention, an ounce of prevention goes a long ways. You need to understand the risk. We've talked some about the risk. There's other risk involved in winter weather. You know, what if you get stuck? What if your car dies? Things like that. You know, you have a lot of things to think about. Now, like I said, here in Michigan, it's not as big of an issue as where you're in an unpopulated area. Usually, there's a few cars going by. You can hopefully flag somebody or they'll call 911 for you. Or you can call 911 yourself. Remember I was talking about your cell phones? How many people in this room don't have a cell phone of some sort? Hmm. I'd say that's pretty good. Last time I did this lecture, there were a couple of people that didn't. Your cell phone, when you call 911, even from one of the most basic of phones, they know where you are within 100 feet usually. Even if you never say a word, they know where you're at. They will send help. If, if they get an open line cell phone call, 
to 911, they have to send help to the nearest location where that cell phone call originated. You, you will get help from an officer. They will check it out. Um, things to do if you're off the road, turn on your flashers if you can on your car, if you're in your car, you're more visible that way, if, if it's possible to do so. Um, prepare your home. How do we prepare our homes? Well, everybody goes through winterization every year in this area. But make sure your furnace works. Make sure you have, if you have a generator, it works. Uh, make sure that, you know, if you need service on something that's a winter item, have it done. Pay a little extra money and do it. And you may be thankful you did. Uh, you might remember to service your snow removal equipment. Make sure your snowblowers work, or if you have a tractor or something you use, make sure it works. Or you know somebody that you can call upon to help you clean your driveway out if you need to get out. Uh, keep your vehicle's gas tank full. Now we talked about this a little bit the other day, and I, I, I preach on this, and I'm really bad about not doing it myself. Why would you want to keep your gas tank full? Does anyone remember what I said the other day, Logan? You don't need to answer this question. Does anybody else remember what I said about keeping your gas tank full? Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and you want to have at least enough you can get somewhere because usually there's a there's Usually at least one station in some town nearby where you live, especially if you live in a bigger town where they'd have power and they have a generator and they can pump fuel. Now that's not always true, but you have a better chance if you, my vehicle that I have, it doesn't get great gas mileage, but it'll go about 300 miles on one tank of gas. So you have at least a way to get out. Or if you need to keep warm, you can run your vehicle safely and keep warm that way too, if you don't have any heat in your house. I don't recommend it, but it, it is an option. Um, I would be more of the one to conserve fuel, drive to a shelter. But you may be evacuated at some point, depending on the disaster. If there is such a disaster, they may say you need to evacuate. You may need to drive further than on fumes. So at least keep your tank reasonably full of gas. I know it's not possible all the time, but try. If you know a storm's coming up, make sure you have a full tank of gas before you go home. Um, pay attention to watches and warnings. Review. What does watch mean? Anybody remember? Yeah, you're watching. Uh, what about warning? Yes, it's happening somewhere nearby you, or will happen very shortly. And and warnings, I'll, I didn't tell this the other day, but I'll tell it here. Warnings are are issued based on several criteria: radar information, actual observations by spotters like myself and others, or law enforcement uh, assessments of what's going on or data, other data that they get. They don't just issue warnings because. There's a lot of consideration that goes into it. Any warning that's issued, warning is serious. Now I mentioned the other day they're changing this. Probably when I lecture on this again, it will be different information because by this fall they're supposed to change the criteria for some of this so it'll be a little more universal and less confusing. It's, this has been the way they've done it since the 50s. We, we decided that there's been a lot of research and a lot of stuff done to try and make it so in this day and age people actually heed and follow what the information being given. Now, you can watch TV, listen to no weather radio, or look at your phone. I was talking about apps that warn you. Most of those work pretty good. I have a couple on my phone that even if you have your phone on silent, it'll still go off. It will, and you will know what's going off. It's not... Uh, it's it'll wake you up out of dead sleep. It's a good thing because it can save your life. Especially, remember summer weather uh, presentation the other day. Now, during a storm, there's things we really should do, and these are just kind of com common sense. Stay indoors and dress warmly. Why would you do that? Well, we we're talking about cold a minute ago. The longer you're exposed to the cold, the worse it gets. Even if you don't have power and you have a limited amount of heat in your house, keeping your doors closed will keep the heat in as long as possible. If you don't have a source of heat in, the, in your residence, your house will stay at least, unless it's really, really cold outside, and your house is moderately insulated. They've set, I've heard them say up to three or four days it'll stay at 40 degrees or above. Close unused doors. Yes, close unused doors. Um, 
put drapes over windows that don't. If you got sunlight coming in, let the sunlight come in. If if there's sunlight available, because that'll heat your floors and stuff and give you a little of what we call radiant heat. Um, not a lot, but it's enough to hopefully keep your pipes from freezing, stuff like that. Um, how many people here don't have a basement? You you guys are in real big trouble <laughs> because your pipes can freeze. Hopefully you have them insulated some way. And if, what they tell you to do a lot of times is to run your water out of your pipes so they don't freeze because you will have a worse mess once everything comes back up online. Um, if your your crawl space is insulated, you have a little bit better chance of not having problems, but why risk it? Save your water, you know, take some five gallon buckets, save your water, use the flush your toilet, whatever if you need to. That's a lot of people do that. And if your water if you're gonna have the power be out for a number of days sometimes, it's better to flush your pipes anyway because they start to get sediment and it's not real good. You know, save some water to drink and some to, to use for other things. I always recommend that before a storm, now see I have city water, so I don't have to worry about it. I always have water unless the city loses power to their water supply. But if you live in the country, yeah, well, I am too. That's a whole nother lecture and discussion. We're not going to talk about that today. That that's a whole nother story, and I I have my own thoughts on that. But that we're, that's not for here. Okay, so you might as well just keep up. Yeah. Okay. It never hurts to have a five-gallon bucket of water that you put a lid on and you just keep somewhere where you know where it's at for flushing your toilet or, you know, keep it clean water. Now, what I'm, we do is just uh, our milk bottles, we rinse them out, uh -huh. and then we refill them with water. Good idea. Yeah, that's, that works you know, a gallon at a time. And, you know, you, if you, your water sat too long, you shouldn't really drink it. It, but if it's been a month or so, it's probably, yep, good idea, very good idea. And if you don't have water available, you might, you know, you can go to the store and buy some bottled water. I recommend not drinking water if it's been sitting in your pipes a long time because you can get sick even if you have clean water. Bacteria starts to build, so on and so forth. We want you to be safe. We don't need you to be sick because then it can create a whole other disaster that we may not have the ability to deal with at the moment. Yeah. That's that's a good plan. And bottled water is fairly cheap. You can buy a case of it for a few dollars. We have some of it used at our house. My daughter loves it. Whatever. Um, eat and drink regularly. Drink lots of water. You want to stay hydrated. Because as soon as you get dehydrated, just like in the summer, your body starts to do strange things and you have issues that you just wouldn't normally have. And if you're, even if you are uh, don't have power, if you eat regularly, your body will keep warm. You got It's kind of like a furnace. You got to keep it fueled, or it won't work. Um, and don't drink coffee and all those things. Some of those things do a lot worse damage than that. Um, conserve fuel. Now, why do I say conserve fuel? Let's say you have a fireplace or a wood burner of some sort that you can run when you don't have power. You may have not have power for days, and you may not have the ability to get more fuel right away. So you may have to burn, not burn, or if you have a kerosene heater that's able to be used in the house, run it until it gets warm, shut it off for a while, and then run it again. You know, and sometimes we don't know. There, there's, there's, because the power company can always work as fast as they have staff to work. And they, if there's a major, uh, the ice storm I was showing pictures of here just a little while ago, they called in people from other states to come and help. They were putting them up in, in shelters and such, and it took them a better part of a week and a half to uh, get the power restored to everybody. There were some people that made as much in two weeks as they do in six months because they worked around the clock pretty much. We appreciate their work. Trust me, it's not nice. I've had to watch them. Um, stay If outside, protect yourself from hazards. If you're in an ice storm and you're trying to walk, watch out for falling branches and debris. Um, and... Like we were talking about summer weather, protect your skin. Think frostbite. Frostbite is not nice. You can lose uh, limbs from it or have per permanent tissue damage that you don't really want to deal with. And, and we don't hear a lot about frostbite anymore, but it does happen. Um, and some people are more susceptible to it than others. Now, if we're traveling in the winter, there's lots of things we want to do. 
How many have to travel in the winter? Pretty much everybody. I travel 80 miles a day no matter what the weather. I have to go to work. I'm one of the key people that has to be there pretty much every day or else. Um, so avoid unnecessary trips when possible. Don't plan a trip to the UP when it's been snowing for a week. And there, the weather gets worse the further north you go. Probably a bad idea. Now, if there's some compelling reason you have to go, of course do it, but do it prudently. And there's been times I said, a friend of mine got married in the wintertime one time, and I wanted to go to her wedding, but the weather was bad. I says, to her, I said, I'm not going. I just won't be there. I'd love to be there, but it's just too bad. I'm not going to risk it. You know, sometimes you just say, forget it. <laughs> um, if you must travel in the winter, which a lot of us have to travel at times, I'm talking not necessarily just a trip to the grocery store. I'm talking, you know, a 20-mile or more trip. Although a trip to the grocery store can just be as bad as going 20 miles or 30 miles or 40. Make sure your vehicle is winterized. You have good tires. It's in good working order. You know, if your battery's getting low, you probably should replace it before it dies and you get stranded somewhere. Not usually very fun. If your battery dies and your vehicle is stranded, you have nothing. You only have uh, power. Keep your cell phone charged and your mobile charger. And I brought my mobile charger with me. My friend, I carry this everywhere I go. And these are, you can get the, this is a fairly good one, but you can get ones for 5 to $10 usually. Not a bad idea to have one. It's a very good investment. The reason I say keep a mobile, your charger with you, let's say your phone is, you in the cold and your phone dies faster. If you're with your vehicle, you can plug it into your vehicle and, and have power to at least send text or call, limitedly obviously, but you at least have some backup power. Another thing you can carry, and I didn't put it in here, they, they sell little battery, rechargeable battery packs you can plug your phone into. Those work real well also. I've got one of them that I use some too. Um, not unlimited power, but they are good battery backup power if you need them. And also during a, a disaster if your family's trying to get a hold of you. Uh, when they had the ice storm that I showed the picture my dad took, I couldn't get a hold of them for a better part of a day. I kept calling my sister because she had power. I'm like, what's going on? Why don't they answer their phone? Well, I didn't have their right cell number and so on and so forth. They finally called me and said, well, we're fine. You know, but if you can keep your cell phone at least on, people can get a hold of you. Even if you don't talk long, just so they know that you're okay. Or if you can send a text or an email or something, you know, contact other families. It's a good idea. They don't worry as much. Trust me. Um, carry a disaster supply kit in your vehicle. Now, we talked about this a little bit the other day. And everybody's different, but I recommend carrying a flashlight, a blanket, jumper cables, some water, a couple of bottles of water, uh, some kind of a flare or reflective device you can put behind your car or on your car, um, some non-perishable food like raisins or bars of some sort, you know, like uh, energy bars, just so you have something in case you need it. Now, the food stuff you want to replace every so often, your water probably once every six months or so, but it, it doesn't hurt to have it in case you get stranded and you at least have something. Um, flashlight's really handy no matter what the time of year. Um, I usually have two or three because I have all my tools for work in my truck, but a lot of people don't carry a flashlight. You can carry anything from a simple couple dollar flashlight to one that is, will withstand almost anything. It's up to you. Make sure you keep your batteries up and, and make sure it's working. Check it every few months. And during the winter, the batteries tend to discharge more than in the summer. Um, and if you're stand, stranded, stay inside your vehicle. Now, why would I say that? Your story you were just telling a few minutes ago, Joyce. If you stay with your vehicle, you're, you're protected from the weather elements more than if you try and walk. Now, if you, can read, if you know there's some place you can go to fairly close and it's not too bad, that would be an option. But with your vehicle, you can turn on your flashers, you can... Run it, you carefully run it. You need to make sure your exhaust pipe isn't plugged or anything by snow or something. Um, you at least have the protection and you can turn it on and run it a little bit for heat. Hence, having a full tank of fuel, you can run it for quite a while on and off to keep yourself warm until you're found. Um, now, one of the things that will happen a lot of times, and this has happened even in Michigan, let's, I'm going to use my sister's example here. You're driving with Austin and you go off the road somewhere nearby where you live and you don't, your phone goes dead, you don't have your charger. We're, we're making this an outside, and this, this happens, so this is not unusual, but it's not common. 
You don't show up back home and your husband says, well, where in the world is she? He goes looking for her, he can't find you. They would file a report with the police department that they're looking for you. Then we'd mount a search for you. And depending on where we knew you might have gone, we would start looking in those areas. If you have your car flashers on or something that people will see, even at night, you have to be found a lot faster. Even if you wreck your car, even if you go off the road and hit a tree, as long as you're not unconscious, and if your flashers still work, turn them on. Hit your brakes every so often. People will see that. Even if you're down in a ravine, they'll see that and go, um, something isn't right. In fact, in the wintertime when I'm driving, because I drive back roads, very rural roads a lot of times, if I see tracks off the road or I see a car off the road, I will stop and, and make sure it's not got somebody in it. Um, I have flashing lights on my vehicle and lots of things. I'm trained in this, so I, I stop. If they're okay, I, and they tell, tell me they got help on the way, I go on and whatnot. So far, I haven't found anybody that wasn't, but you, you'd hate to read later that somebody perished because, and you know, oh yeah, I went by there. And, and if you don't feel safe stopping, get your phone out and call 911 report the approximate location, tell them you'd like an officer to investigate it. You can do that. And it takes only a couple minutes, even if you have to stop and call 911. Just remember kind of the location between which two roads and what side of the road they were on, and, and they'll, they'll investigate it. They, they, yes? Usually, depending on if it's in bad weather, it's a lot less. But usually it's, especially if it's people like you and I that are real prompt and stuff, they tend to take a little more serious than people that, oh, they just whatever. Yeah. Um, and if it's bad weather, they will investigate a lot quicker. Um, and sometimes they'll go, oh, we had a call in this area. It's probably this person. And they, sometimes it's fairly, they find you fairly quickly. They, they, they know what's going on. Um, it just The message didn't get back to the other family. Um, but sometimes people do go off far enough off the road in the trees or water or whatever. They don't find them right away. We've had a couple here in this area that took them several hours. Now, if you're in water in your car and it's cold, you're best getting out. Because water will, will bring on hypothermia a lot faster. In fact, I didn't tell this in the summer lecture, and I'll tell it real quick. Uh, if you're in water, even in the middle of summer, and it's 50 degrees or less, you can die of hypothermia. Not very often, but it does happen. And in the wintertime, it's even worse. If, if the, say you run off the road and go in a river that's flowing still, water's going to be somewhere around 32, 33 degrees, but the air temperature may be a lot less than that. You, you can succumb to hypothermia in a matter of a couple hours or less, sometimes a lot less. Um, oh, so we're here to questions. We have a little bit extra time, and I did this on purpose. Does anybody have questions on either lecture I gave? Yes, go ahead. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, that, I, I didn't mention that, and I'm glad you brought that up, because thunder snow is basically a thunderstorm, except you have snow. We have them in Michigan quite often. About one a year. I've seen probably five or six of them, you know. That it, and one of them it was a regular thunderstorm, except it was snowing. We had the wind and everything. Snow coming down just like you have rain. Um, that's, that's not a normal phenomenon, but it does happen. And it's quite cool if you can see it. Especially in the night, at nighttime. Because if the lightning comes down, you see the snow is kind of like sparkly. It, it is it's actually quite pretty. Yes. Yeah, well... You take the same precautions you do with a regular thunderstorm. Stay inside. Don't. And a lot of times, two days, uh, when they have the flashes on, uh, and the snow is so deep, you can't see the flashes. True. I know, I'm, I'm aware of that, but at least you have, if, if, if your vehicle can be seen at all, you, you have a little bit better uh, opportunity to be found right. quickly. Right. Uh, and Always put your flashes on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, sometimes if you've gone off the road and you hit a tree or something, you, you might, your vehicle may be disabled beyond the point of that working, but if you can. Another thing I've, I saw somebody, or heard about somebody doing, they went off the road, they hit a tree, their vehicle was disabled to the point their flashers didn't work, but they weren't hurt really. It was a fairly large vehicle. They, they took one of those triangles like the truckers use, set it up by the road so people would know there was something there. And they went back to their vehicle and stayed in their vehicle until they were rescued. Just a thought. Um, 
Not that it works, but you know, sometimes you have to be creative. Um, and and I hope and pray none of you ever have to be stranded somewhere in the winter time. I've I've gone off the road once and actually had to be pulled out. And I just waited. I got out with my shovel. And I was digging out my truck, and somebody came along and pulled me out. But you know, people race by like, oh, there's a vehicle there. I've got flashing lights and everything. I don't like. Oh. <laughs> Why is he in the? And then uh, this is funny. The county comes by, plowing. The guy stops and says, "Are you stuck?" I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm in the ditch, dude. What do you think's wrong here? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, no, I just thought I'd, I'd drive off the road just because I wanted to. <laughs> no, but, you know, and, and I recommend that if you don't feel safe stopping to help somebody, at least call. You know, it, at least call. They will send somebody eventually to investigate it. It may not be right away, but at least somebody will, they'll either send a fire personnel or, or somebody that is trained to go investigate it. In this day and age, it's kind of a, you never know. It's almost a gamble, but I, I always tend to err on the side of, I'd rather stop and help them and know they got help or were taken care of than, oh, well, you know. So I'm going to have prayer, and then if you guys have other questions, I'll be glad to take them. I've got, I'll have radar up here again that you can watch, look at, it will load. And I appreciate everybody coming. It's been a pleasure to do this, and I hope you guys learned a lot of different things. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that some of the information I gave you was uh, new, maybe just refresher. Either way, and you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity to do it here. So let's have prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity today to, to learn about weather and to learn about how to stay safe. And we ask that you would bless each one here and, and we ask that you would keep them safe as they go home and, and that they'll be able to do some of the things they've learned. In your name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.